0: It's coming. It's coming. My new stream deck is failing me.
1: <laughs> tired. So tired. Overtired.
0: Welcome to Overtired. Uh, I'm Brett Terpstra here with Christina Warren. Hi, Christina.
1: Hi, Brett. How are you?
0: I'm I'm awesome. Um, better than you. I, I heard you were, uh, you're not feeling great.
1: I'm not feeling great, but I am super happy to be here with you.
0: Uh, as a result of you not feeling great, we're actually recording right before we release, which is kind of exciting because we can be super topical and not worry that news is going to change. Well, some of the news we have to talk about honestly could change between now and tomorrow when I publish.
1: Yes. But I w- but but, it, but, it, but it, we're closer. I was going to say, like, the thing is, is that if we recorded on Saturday as planned, so much of the most topical stuff would have been totally different because every hour it seems like is is a is a new um horror slash uh comedy of errors i don't i don't know really how to phrase it
0: yeah that sounds about right a dumpster on fire floating in a river while the forest around it burns
1: and the sky is orange and uh yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. um So I was going to tell you just in response to your vegetarian question last time. Yes. uh, One thing that did happen is after uh, weeks of uh, intermittent fasting and really not losing much weight at all, um, going vegetarian had the immediate effect of losing like five pounds.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. Turns out meat is bad. No one should eat meat. <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, I don't think that's true. Although I think there are <laughs> lots of reasons to to look at other sources of protein and whatnot. But I don't think I'm not going to take that uh, like take away from it.
0: Chicken. Just be. Oh wait.
1: Well, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I, I did once give up meat uh, or, or beef anyway because I found out there was like some a thing called national beef steak month. And I was so horrified that like such a thing would exist that I like was like, I'm not eating any beef or whatever for the month. And, um, I became anemic.
0: Yeah. How'd that that's go? Prob-
1: uh, I mean, again, not great. Like I, 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 I like had to go to the doctor and like get on pills because I had anemia. Uh, again, that's probably more of a reflection on my like, bad diet in general but it taught me at the ripe old age of 19 to not be political
0: about my food you said i became anemic and i thought you said i became vegan
1: oh oh sorry (laughs) yeah no i did not become vegan no 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 no. i became anemic and uh yeah and and but but I i did learn a lesson that for me personally i was like all right christina just don't be political about your food
0: fair enough yeah i'm not i'm not yeah I went I went vegetarian for my own health and my own uh, Morals, ecological things, like, concerns. But, yeah, I'm not I, I, I am of the opinion that basically the entire popula- population of the U.S. would have to go vegetarian to actually make a real dent. It would have to be enough to get the meat industry itself to change. Um, right. Me converting a few of my friends to vegetarian isn't. It's not worth the uh... it's like when I was a kid and it was my job to go out and convert all of my friends to Christianity. Uh, ultimately, the the payoff, it doesn't seem you're not really making a dent in the horde of people that I was told are going to hell. <laughs> like saving one person at a time just didn't really feel like a good return on investment to me.
1: Well, well, you're clearly not a good Latter-day Saint because...
0: Great way to lose friends, though.
1: <laughs> Have you
0: accepted the Lord Jesus Christ? Um,
1: do, did you seriously do that as a kid? Like, was that oh, seriously yeah. something? Yeah.
0: I, I need to talk to you about something. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? <laughs> it's really important to me that you do this. Let's pray. Yeah, that was that was childhood for me. A lot of stress around that, too.
1: Wow. Yeah cuz like my my mom is like religious but I guess it's like a personal thing and like I grew up going to church but uh the whole like um uh, missionary thing was never ever part of like my upbringing. Yeah. I although I wonder if part of it it's interesting. A And I've never talked to my mom about this, but I do get the distinct sense that she's sort of bothered by some missionary practices. I don't want to put words in her mouth because she might disagree with me, but uh, I always got that sense that that was not something she was down with. And B, living where I lived and growing up where I grew up, everybody was Judeo-Christian of some type, right? Sure. uh, and, And I mean, we had not a lot of Muslims but even then, like, it's Abrahamic, you know, it's Abraham, you know, Abrahamic, whatever. Like, so I don't think that I grew up with a lot of atheists or agnostics. Like, there might have been people who didn't go to church, but I don't actually know if I could say that any of the people I grew up with until, you know, like I was in high school or whatever, were like, I don't believe so in
0: God. Here's the thing. Is when you grow up in an evangelical church, there's a very specific criteria for being saved. And oh, yes, for us, Catholics were wrong, Catholics weren't going to heaven, Catholics weren't Christians,
1: which is like so, just as be, an
0: example of, of right. what evangelical no. thinking is like.
1: Uh, oh, no, I know. I that you okay, you are right. So, there were, there were a lot of southern Baptists, which we were not. And they definitely had that whole saved concept, yep, that's and, where I started with Southern Baptist and that was certainly because I did not grow up that way. I grew up like uh, episcopalian uh and and like Methodist, and Episcopalian especially is pretty liberal of uh, it comparatively to yeah, a lot of the sure. other uh kind of sects, but it was also one of those things that even if I had people who i was around who was like oh if you haven't gone through this you're not going to heaven like if somebody had said that my catholic grandmother was not going to heaven to me i as a like very small very religious child would have told them to go fuck themselves (laughs) i would have been like no you're not going to heaven like if you're gonna say that like that was just one of those things also i think my mom just she did because we had these conversations because i was sometimes i think here like friends of mine have those questions and then be like, "Oh, if you don't believe this, you're not going there." And I would ask her questions and she'd be like, "No." Like, yeah. Like God is not going to uh not let, you know, someone just because they they believed it, a slightly different thing into heaven if they're still a good person. So, yeah, I think that that that's uh I have to credit my mom for that cuz I think it could have been very different had I had like just a slightly different familial structure because I did grow up religious, but not like that. And then to their immense credit, even though I'm sure it was very painful for them when I was 15 and I was like, I went from being very religious to being like, you know what? No. I'm not. I'm not I'm not into this. I, I don't believe this. This is not actually something that I'm going to adhere to. And and um I might still have some aspects of spirituality, but I I have major qualms with other aspects of this uh to to their immense credit even though i know that it's painful for them they have not like i i didn't get even then like i it wasn't one of those things where i was like forced to go to church or i yeah. was yelled at or i was made to feel bad um probably i'm thinking because a i had like other like emotional stuff going on but also i think my parents are smart enough to know that like, I'm not somebody that they could just kind of convince in that way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like the, the, they wouldn't be able to like they wouldn't be able to reason with me, and they wouldn't be able to yell at me. And they're like, "All right, if Christina's made this decision, we're not going to change her mind by appealing to authority because she's pretty anti-authoritarianism and will um, disagree and go even harder just to spite us," which would have actually been the case, right? Like if they had actually gone like hard, been like, oh, you have to do this or that, like that would have like, I would have joined some sort of like atheist movement, even if I didn't believe everything they said and and gone like way, way, way to the other side just to spite them.
0: You would think that that would have been more common with Gen X, but it's actually millennials that started the trend towards uh, America being less religious, And we're still the most religious country among developed worlds. But yeah, uh, but there is a trend towards uh, not just uh, less religious, but towards atheism, which is, in my opinion, uh, a wonderful step for a supposedly educated country to take. But no offense to uh, to all the religious people out there.
1: Well, yeah. And although although I I would say I think that if you look at the numbers, I think it's really when people say atheism, they really mean agnosticism Uh, in the United States. I actually do think so.
0: I Okay.
1: No, I actually do think so because there are some people who will say that, but because we are such a puritanical, like, look, we were founded by Puritans. We are a religious country. Like, by the way, we were founded and the way that we've been done. And our country is much, 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 much younger than the other developed nations. Like, historically, we just are. That means, I think that... And we have like this wave of American only religions too, which are very young, um, uh, like historically speaking, I do feel like it's much like people conflate the two, but they're different. I do feel like the, if you were to ask a lot of people and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I have read studies on this. I think people conflate the two and I do feel like it is much more difficult for people to totally separate, especially millennials, to separate themselves from saying, I don't at all, except that there could be a higher being or a higher focus or controlling, um, you know, a deity, maybe not even a deity, but but, you know, thing out there versus I don't believe that there is anything.
0: Remind um, me, are you agnostic or atheist?
1: I don't know. To be honest. <laughs> so
0: you're agnostic. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, but but.
1: Well, I don't know, because there have been things in my life that I've experienced that I can't explain other ways. And then there are things where I'm like a rational human. So, uh, and I would like to think of myself as, you know, quasi-intellectual. So I don't know, honestly, like it, it can go either way. And you. it's also interesting because you do also have this rise of people who are millennials who, uh, you know, consider Buddhist teachings, but wouldn't consider themselves to be Buddhist in the religious sense. Well, sure. So... So, but 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 see, but, but but the thing is, you say, but sure, but that to me that does kind of uh, dictate that like that's different from being an atheist because if you really are an atheist, then why would you want to, you know, adhere or practice anything related to Buddhism, even if you're not like looking at it as a religion.
0: Every religion has some teachings that are just good common sense. Um, I was talking to my uh, my rabbi. And I actually went to temple and he told me that um, there are in his congregation, there are atheists that go to temple every week and they don't have to believe in a God to find uh, Judaism uh, full of wisdom and just good common sense for it's not that atheists don't have a moral code. I'm not, like, I'm we, not saying that we, do. I, I, we have strong morals and beliefs.
1: No, no. And I'm not saying that what I am going to say, though, is that I would actually question whether those people are actually atheists. And the reason I say that is that and maybe I'm wrong on this and, and maybe this isn't how other atheists feel. And, and if so, like I would like to hear from them. But I've always, to me anyway, the way I've looked at, at faith of any type has been that it's been about to a certain degree about comfort and about, you know, like there, there's, there's a feeling involved. And I would I would genuinely question why, like if someone didn't get some sort of comfort or some sort of good feeling or have some other sort of reason um, why somebody who didn't believe in those things would attend temple. Like, honestly, because like, not of to a say
0: congregation, that, you can get comfort from being in the presence of people who live a similar code to you. Uh, the fellowship of that, you can get comfort from that without believing in a God. Atheism just means you don't believe in a God. And
1: yeah, that, I, and I, fellowship I, 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 is
0: where that comfort for religious people tends to come from. Uh, there's true. a certain there's a certain aspect of believing in something higher than myself gives me uh, uh, a sense of well-being. I'm sure that exists for a lot of people. But for most people, church is equally about the, the fellowship. uh, That's
1: true. That's true. And, and I mean, honestly, that's probably one of the reasons why it was easy for me to not go to church and to reject (laughs) those aspects of it because I never felt a fellowship in church ever. Um, which is, which is a total, like total different for my parents who did feel a fellowship. I never did. I always thought they were, I I always thought the people at our church were kind of assholes and I was just gonna like, I don't want to be with you people.
0: The whole whole Zoom church thing was really rough on my parents because for them, like being with like minded people every week, multiple times a week uh, was a, a a really big part of their life.
1: Yeah. See, it's, it, I don't know. It's just so interesting to me. I'm mean, like, I respect that there could be like atheists who don't believe in any sort of higher power at all who go to be around people. I think my, I, I think the reason I, I struggle with that, I, I'm not like saying that that's not a thing because I'm, I, you're clearly telling me that it is. I think the reason that I struggle, I guess, to understand that is because I couldn't imagine like willingly spending time every week with people who have very different, like views from me in like what I would consider for many people to be like a deep sense. Having said that, I'm assuming this is a a, a reform um, Judaism. And so, so that is very different than say, if it were Orthodox or even if it were, we're even in mainline Judaism, right? Like that it's going to be, it's going to be very different. So if it's reform that I think actually makes sense, that's much more of a community sort of feel straight up than if you were to talk about a different sort of sect. Like I wouldn't see, for instance, an atheist, I would I would be very surprised if you had a a, you know, atheist going to a Southern Baptist oh, church with oh, fellowship. No.
0: no. You know but, what I mean? But an atheist going to a Unitarian church, you could see.
1: Yeah, totally. And and in some ways I could even see weirdly like episcopalian although that's it's that's such a it's such a weird sect it's it's catholic light is what it's called because you have all of like the the ritual aspects of catholicism which mainline catholicism doesn't even do anymore but you have like the the you know the the masses in latin and you have the um yeah, you know just Communion. like the, the, the yeah the community you have the ritual aspect and it's it's a very certain thing within the actual teachings themselves and the politics are very different. Like the whole reason that the church was the Anglican church was formed was because King George or whatever wanted to get divorced. So he had to start his own like religion to be able to to get divorced. And so you can get divorced. Women um, can be priests. Uh, you can be gay. They will do you know, they were doing same sex unions, you know, 30 years ago. So it's it's very different and so it's this weird kind of hodgepodge and then anglican and episcopalian are different too because anglic the anglican church fully rejects all the, the the left wing what they consider like you know heresy of of the episcopalian church and and you see a lot of super like deeply like uh intolerant views from people who adhere strictly to the Anglican tradition, um, often in places like Africa, uh, which i that's not Africa's fault. That is the fault of the colonizers and the, you know, people who you know, have gone there to, to you know, um, be missionaries and whatnot. But anyway, we're going off on a whole tangent about <laughs> religion, which is, which is a <laughs> terrible topic to have a podcast about, to be totally honest.
0: We're a third of the way into our show, and religion was not on our bullet list at all. It was all. not. This this has I, been fun though.
1: This has been fun. Okay, so let, let's talk about things that are on our list because um, we we were getting into this because of of the the things that are happening right now in the world, which is uh you put a great definition um if, from from Webster's in uh in our show notes um for uh for, for I think like every everybody's favorite German phrase I would say Schadenfreude.
0: Yeah um there were there was a 30,000% increase in uh searches for the definition of schadenfreude. Uh, oh my
1: god. Okay, that that actually really depresses me.
0: And for anyone who still hasn't googled it yet, it uh it means taking delight in the um the misfortune of others and uh enjoyment obtained from the troubles of others. The English word was borrowed from German in the middle of the 19th century. In German, it comes from Schaden, damage, and Freude, joy. Um, and no, I I don't speak German, so that was probably slaughtered. But uh, but yeah, uh, so Trump who who downplayed coronavirus intentionally the whole time yep. got coronavirus mm-hmm. and uh and America uh by and large said, well, yeah, obviously. Right. And some people are all thoughts and prayers and some of us don't have the common decency to give a shit Um, what happens to him at this point. Although I, I shudder to think what would happen to our government in its current state if if the president was uh, 25th Amendmented or 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 worse uh-huh. died. Um,
1: right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I genuinely just because. It's funny to be like, oh, I don't care, like what happens, something. Like I genuinely don't wish, like death or harm on on anyone. Um, at least not. Maybe if I knew someone or knew of something that personally happened, like that would be a different thing. But I do try to when we talk about moral codes, like I that is something that I try to like live my life for. Not because I think that I'm like in any way like morally superior, or better, but just because I don't think it's healthy to have that type of anger. Uh, which is growth for me, because there have definitely (laughs) been times in my life when that has not been the case.
0: See, Um, for me, it's not anger, though. For me, I consider Trump to be such a dangerous human being that it's not that I wish death upon him. It's that I wouldn't cry if he died.
1: I mean, look, I'm going to be totally honest. I would not cry either. I'm just saying I'm not going to be tweeting or making public comments to be like, you know, celebrating just
0: because those are going to come back and bite you eventually. (laughs)
1: Well, not only that, but it's just, uh, you know, but that in common decency, it's mostly the common decency thing. But, yeah, they could come back and bite you. But I mean, there there have certainly been figures and things where I've, you know, when I was younger, said things. And now the reason is it's like it's been through therapy and it's like a growth thing where for me personally, I'm like, you know what? Like this is this is not healthy and this doesn't help me like this gives that thing more power. That said, yeah, I totally have Schadenfreude about it. Because of course, I think Joe Biden even said we're recording this on Tuesday. He said at uh with Lester Holt uh last night, uh he said that he, you know, he was kind of like, yeah, he is responsible for if like if you don't take precautions and if you don't believe it's real and if you're not doing those things, then you're responsible with what happens, which I think is very true. And 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 Biden also said that he wasn't surprised that that Trump got coronavirus, which Is exactly how I feel, and I'm like, yeah, I'm. I mean, if anything, to a certain extent, it's almost surprising that it took this long, right? Like, I think that the surprising aspect, the the shot, and the reason that there's the Schadenfreude, is the timing of all of this, which uh, I don't, you know, I think that some of the conspiracy theories and some of that stuff was disappointing to see, especially on the left. But uh, I, I do understand why the initial response from some people was, "Is this even real?" Just because. The timing, you know, to be so close to the election, to be right after the the first debate, to be, you know, where we are, like just a month before, um, you know, uh, voting, you know, it, well, some voting has already started in some places. I've already like, voted. Um, yeah, my ballot hasn't come in yet. But like that, you know, that sort of level, I'm in that thing. The, the timing of it is just, it's so narratively perfect, that if you saw it on a TV show, you would be like, all right, I'm going to buy into this and watch this. What, but this what this, but it this would seems
0: feel. Fake. Yeah, it would feel like the most obvious predictable plot twist. It exactly. would feel it would feel lazy on the part of the writers.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like You're like, all right, I'll buy into this because I want to continue this story. But <laughs> this this doesn't ring true, although I think everything that's happened this year does kind of show that truth is is stranger than fiction sometimes. And uh,
0: it actually is a good cliffhanger, though. I have been checking the news more often yes. in the last few days
1: than I, I have say, in a long time. I was going to say, like, so I listened to the New York Times podcast The Daily. Like they had to do a special edition on Friday after he was diagnosed. Like they had to do a whole special thing, like upending, I think, some of their pre pre-record stuff. And, and adding more information just because so much news was breaking. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, it, and it's one of those things where I bet that if, you know, the, and they were doing so much reporting through the weekend, um, if it wouldn't have been an undue burden, you know, on the audio editors, I bet that that's one of those things where they probably were, I have no knowledge of this, but my, there's part of me thinks it was like, I bet that there were discussions at some level where they were like, do we, do we do like uh, a, a twice a day update? On this, because <laughs> right. like if you go to their website, like they have like almost like it, like it's breaking news, you know, following the the trail of how many people have been infected and and what the status is. And yeah, I was really sick this weekend, but I was still waking up and I was like reading and catching up on like every time I would like kind of fall asleep and I'd wake up and I would see even more like stuff that had broken out. I was like, oh my god,
0: so. Um, the uh, the the news that if we had recorded Saturday, we would have missed is um, the the next overly predictable uh, uh, plot element was he was released from the hospital. And on yes. his way out, he tweeted feeling really good. Don't be afraid of covid. Don't let it dominate your life. We have developed under the Trump administration some really great drugs and knowledge. I feel better than I did 20 years ago. What the fuck is that? Um yeah. he, he he's completely ignoring that he got millions of dollars yes. worth of the best that, treatment available. That, he's weighted to the gills right now.
1: Yes. He's weighted to the gills so of course he feels great. He's 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 high on 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 dexamethasone and um you know and they're probably they probably given him other stuff. I mean yeah, I I have to say like this is the thing where I got I I'm like Angry, And I don't want to turn this into a politics show or whatever, but I get like viscerally angry because first of all, how fucking dare you? How fucking dare you? You are president of the United States. And I'm not saying that he shouldn't receive the best care in the entire world. Yeah, that's
0: fine. We expect that.
1: Because of course he should. Any leader of a a developed nation, absolutely. But to pretend as if the the care that he gets is equivalent of the care that I would get or the care that you would get is ridiculous and insulting. And to Um, tell
0: people not to be afraid.
1: Yes, and also you're talking about people who don't have access to health care. This, which is most of his base. Like this is the most fucked up thing. Like the like his base is the is the base that by and large is has less healthcare, like if right. you actually look at it. And like, and just, he's which working on hilarious. making it
0: even less. And, and COVID will count as a pre-existing condition for these people he wants to uh, remove pre-existing condition coverage from.
1: Absolutely. I mean that's the thing. It's like okay, you literally are are telling people who don't have the ability to go to Walter Reed and have, you know, um the the best doctors in the country consulted and the best thing, have direct access to all kinds of experimental therapies, whether that's a good idea ultimately <laughs> for his health or not, like that, that that's that's beside the point. The fact is that he can call any of those places and get these drugs that are only in trial and get access to them. You and I can't do that. You know, even very wealthy people would struggle at some points, I'm guessing, like they would need you need to make a call. It wouldn't be something that their doctor would probably just be able to, to do. It'd be something where it's like, all right. I'm going to now have to call in a favor with somebody who knows somebody so I can get access to this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, totally. it's so, so to me, like, how fucking dare you, like, to, to say this? And, um, and, and he's not even out of the woods yet. Like, that's the thing. It's like people have felt like they've been doing better and then it's turned around. Like, the one good thing is that his blood oxygen levels seem to have improved. And that is usually the big indicator with, you know like if you're going to die from it or not but uh, yeah congratulations they were able to save him because he's the president like that doesn't mean that other people are going to be able to get that same care or any care or that they would be able to afford their treatments if they did have to go into the hospital for this and that it wouldn't be devastating in that sense like it's just it really really angers me for for that rhetoric to then become the norm especially especially when you look at the number of people that were exposed to the virus uh, at right. his events and yeah. because of him and because of the people on his staff and, and they're not even doing contact tracing. It's like, no. and the reason they're not doing contact tracing is because they don't want more people who got the virus to, they don't want that to happen. It's the same thing as his whole thing has been, which is if we don't test, the numbers will be lower and it'll look better. Meanwhile, people are fucking dying, and no one cares and we don't have stimulus packages passed to protect people who are struggling, and the economy still isn't back on track and You know what part of that reason is because of him. It's like if we'd taken this shit seriously, like other countries have, then we could maybe be in a phase where we could do some reopening um like australia is is a lot more together than we are. New Zealand is a lot more together than sure. we are. And they still have periods where people will come in and where they'll be exposed to stuff and they have to clamp things down again. But meanwhile, like, I don't know. I just I'm going to go off my soapbox now, but it just angers me.
0: uh, There's a roller derby association that came up with, I think it was a 12, 12 level, like a 12 tier COVID plan so that they could start holding events at first like I don't remember all the levels, but they they worked out this system that was so complete and so good that other organizations began calling about it. And even uh, uh, local governments began implementing this roller derby league's covid protocols. And I, I wish I'll find a link. It'll be in the show notes to this. It's kind of amazing that because on this roller derby team. There were nurses and healthcare care uh, workers who actually thought through all of this and implemented something that uh, apparently government can't, like even on a local level. So it, it, interesting side side uh, story to all of this.
1: Yeah, well, no, I mean it's sort of interesting when you have like people actually kind of like working together. Um, I, I don't want to turn this whole into a whole like you know COVID politics show, but there've been there's been a lot of really interesting reporting in Vanity Fair about how uh, you know Jared's brain trust. I'm I'm you know being sarcastic here, rolling <laughs> my eyes. How they like there was But there actually was a team of people who were smart, like very smart people who were gathered together and were trying to work on a plan and um, a lot of their ideas, I mean, it was better than, than what, than what we've had um, only for the whole thing to basically be thrown out because they figured that politically, well, most of the states there that are showing the highest number of infections are blue states. So what do we care? Which honestly, like that's also the the most
0: populated anyway. Yeah, but no, (laughs)
1: but, but, but to me, like, and this becomes an apolitical thing actually, like, what type of evil do you have to be where you will not implement a plan or even look at a plan based on how you believe that electorate votes? Yeah. Like, like, honestly, like that is that is totalitarian. That's, shit. Co- that's that, fascism right there. That is fascism. That is absolutely fascism. And and, and to me, it's just it's really. Really horrifying, just to see, and you know what happens is that those stories are reported, and people aren 't horrified. that horrifies me even more like those those things come out, and the collective response I think is yeah it makes sense yeah no, right? that shouldn 't be our that shouldn 't be our response in four years we 've become so desensitized and so accepting if we 're being totally honest to the fact that this is how things go. No, we should be horrified. We should be calling it out. Like, I don't wanna, like, and, and I feel myself with this, where I feel myself like like not being surprised. and And that bothers me because when that happens, we are losing our bits of humanity when we become accepting of that type of behavior. And when we become like, almost like ambivalent to it because that's not okay. That's how
0: fascism rises.
1: It absolutely is. You just say, well, that's just the way the world works. No, you know what? Like, I'm sorry. That is not the way that the world works. And it's not the way that the world should work. And, and we don't, you know, like, like, You know, we are supposed to be living in a republic and and this is not supposed to be what we stand for. And yes, our country has historically committed many atrocities, as have as has every other country. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't aspire to not commit more. And so when it just becomes, well, yeah, it makes total sense that that, of course, they they made these decisions on political grounds like I'm horrified and I'm even more horrified that it just becomes status quo. And, in, and that happened in only four years. And yeah. that is how you get the rise of, like, totalitarian um, regimes. And that is how really terrible things happen. And, and people who, because you ask, like, how do people let this happen? This is how you become so desensitized to it that as it gets worse and worse, you don't realize until you take in the, the totalitarian, like, the, 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 the totality of what's actually happened. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Yep. All right. That feels like a good place to wrap the the politics segment up. Yes. Yes. Because I'm about to go off on like some extreme leftist shit right now. So um, I'll rein it in.
1: You'll rein it in. Let's talk about your new stream deck, actually.
0: Okay. so I I, I, originally I had the stream deck mini uh, and I had a lot of fun programming the buttons and I push it, I think, as far as it can go. Um, Yeah. I had like certain scenes that would come up when certain apps were were uh, in the foreground, and that uh, made pretty good use of six buttons. But eventually, I found myself wanting more, so I ordered the one with what is it, sixteen? The XL, fifteen? Yeah, fifteen buttons on it. Yeah, not the XL.
1: Not it's the kind XL. of it's okay. like the
0: medium one. So
1: so that's the original Stream Deck. So this so so, so what you so what you ordered that's the one that originally came out and was out for a couple of years. Then they came out with the XL and then I think they came out with the mini.
0: That 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 sounds that sounds correct because I watched I watched them for a long time and 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 thought I could have fun with that but it doesn't seem worth it and then I had to get the mini for a job and and now I'm hooked but I'm having trouble with be. it. When I when I plugged in the new one, it asked if I wanted to uh, move my my settings from my mini to the new one. And I did. But I keep like the folders are messed up. I have to I'm going to wipe it and reprogram it from scratch. I wanted to have it to a point where I had a a better soundboard. Um, I was going to surprise you with a bunch of bunch bunch of fun sound effects. We'll get there. We will. It'll happen. Yeah, uh, and there so, will at bare minimum be like an applause track. So when you finish yes. one of your like five minute long rants, we can okay. just have a, like a round of applause because that's what people are here for. They're Honestly, here for the, the Christina rants for sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. They're, they're definitely here for that. No, they are here for you. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm Don't just be ridiculous. But, uh, no, that's awesome. I'm glad you got the, the regular one. Yeah. So when I first used a stream deck and I guess it was... God, I guess it was about two years ago now. Um, I, two or three, I don't even know. Um, I I was like a huge fan of seeing kind of the stuff that we could do with it because at Microsoft, like with my job within Channel 9, like we have like a production studio and it's not as fully featured as the Microsoft production studios, which is genuinely like a TV station, but it is like a, a very nice production studio. And we have, you know um uh, a a self-serve room uh where people can kind of record themselves where there's like um like, you know uh fake wood back paneling and there's like a, a chair or a sofa and a camera set up and and uh, for for screen sharing and um people can kind of record themselves in you know a, a microphone or whatever with a high-end camera and the way that that is controlled is through a stream deck and that was something that uh somebody ran across and and told us about and then we got and and this was Yeah, this was probably close to three years ago now. Um, And uh, so that was my first kind of experience playing with one. And I have needed one myself, um, although I don't have it uh, set up yet. So I was, especially like the beginning of COVID, I was actually using the phone app. I actually paid the $30 or whatever for the the phone app, um, which is great. And I, I will say again, I think I said to people, if you are curious about trying one of these out, um, if you don't, if you're not like Brett and you don't need to buy one like for a job, um, I would say rather than, you know, spending the money, if you don't wanna go through the returns or whatever, get the app because the app is, it's, it's a subscription you can cancel, you know, after the year or whatever, but it has like a, a three-day trial or a seven-day trial or something. But get the app because the app works with, um, you know, the, the, the application on Mac or PC, and it has the same features it just doesn't have the you know the physical feel of the buttons and it's a it's a really good way to get a sense of it um but elgato came out with a, a ring light um uh like two weeks ago and when i bought the ring light i went ahead and bought uh the stream deck xl so the giant one
0: yeah it's like thirty thirty two so- 32 buttons is that
1: Yeah, yeah, which is probably overkill, but.
0: Yeah, because I feel like I would spend as much time hunting for the right button on the screen as I would just running like a keyboard maestro shortcut.
1: More than likely. What I'm kind of anticipating doing with it is I might not use all the buttons or whatever, but maybe I will, is having like different scenes set up for different purposes. Yeah. So I could say, okay, when I do this sort of recording these are the things that I want when I do this one. It's this one. Uh, I, I believe it is overkill. I would have been fine with the other one, but um, I've been dealing with COVID by just buying a bunch of stuff. So also there was a period of time when they were harder to get um, in stock. And so it was just one of those things when I was like, all right, if I'm, if I'm buying this light, I might as well just go ahead and get yeah, the XL is in stock. Fine, I'll get it. Um, I think it's overkill. I was supposed to actually have like a, a normal one was supposed to be provided to me to be owned by the company, but I would have it at home. And um, that hasn't happened yet. And so, which is fine. And I was just like, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just get the giant one. Um but uh
0: you know the screensaver that shows up on the background when it's when your computer's not active? Yeah. You can change that. Talk about fun. Uh, y-
1: i know i know i think because we had one i think actually when we had a studio i think we had one where we uh we had it like look like fish or something (laughs) which was kind of cool yeah but yeah um what's interesting is that that the stream deck mobile like it's great because it's on your phone but where it would be perfect and it doesn't it's not optimized it'd be perfect if it were for the ipad and i think that the reason they don't optimize it for ipad is because that would completely obviate the need for a whole <laughs> bunch of people of buying a physical one Yeah, because imagine like if you were able to use like like you know a, a full-size ipad let alone like a, the 12.9 inch like but let's just talk about like the normal size or, or the the 11 inch ipad pro that would obviate for many many people like yeah you know what i i don't need to spend 200 dollars on the physical device i'm there, just going to use the, the the software
0: there's got to be an app a non-elgato solution that does that with iPad and there's there gotta be is, some companion app is, for Mac. There
1: yeah, there is. It won't work with the Elgato software, but there is like somebody has come up with like I guess alternatives. Yeah. It's not as good, but I've I've looked into this because that was that was kind of my thing. I was like, oh, can I find a way to do this? And um I went down that rabbit hole, which is not surprising. <laughs> um and um yeah but yeah so yeah cuz the 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 regular stream deck has 15 keys then there's the mini with 6 and then there's the xl with 32 which again complete overkill but um i uh i i again i just i'm 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 the way i'm dealing with my stress is just by buying things so
0: we have like 15 minutes left and so much tv to talk about
1: let's get into it
0: all right, did d- did you watch Utopia?
1: Uh yes, I did.
0: Speaking of pandemics, um did you finish Utopia? I did. How how long did it take you to watch it? How many days did you spend?
1: Ah. Uh, I don't know. I I watched it pretty quickly.
0: Man, I I, I, pro- I started and finished it in 3 days.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that seems about right for me.
0: It was so it it had everything I wanted. It was it was not a brand new plot idea. The idea of a pandemic where the uh, the I guess I won't spoil the plot because it's relatively new. But yeah, it, it is. It, it was not a new idea. But the way they developed it and the actors they got, they had made, Rain Wilson. Um,
1: John Cusack.
0: Yeah. It was, yeah. great cast, great story writing. It starts off at a comic con, so it appeals to the nerds right away. The whole thing's based totally. around a a comic book or a graphic novel. And yeah, no, it was so good. I loved it, no,
1: I, I loved it too. And um,, uh, so it was based on like a, a, a originally, it was a British show, which I haven't seen Oh, and, really and I want yeah, and I want to go back and watch it, but it was based on on a British show that came out in in twenty thirteen. And um, it was adapted by Jillian Flynn. And Gillian Flynn, I don't know if you know who she is, but I don't. she, okay, so she was, uh, for many, many years, she was an entertainment writer for Entertainment Weekly. And I used to love reading her stuff. And she wrote a novel uh, that did okay, but didn't get at the time kind of a lot of traction. And then she was laid off. And she wrote a book while she was, after she was laid off from, from Entertainment Weekly called Gone Girl.
0: I, I remember Gone Girl.
1: Yeah. And then and then her her first uh novel was was adapted as uh, uh into a, a HBO show called HBO show called Sharp Objects.
0: I, I saw that I, I I remember seeing the uh listing for that, but I never watched it.
1: It's fantastic. Amy Adams was robbed as she is always robbed of awards. She's been nominated for God knows how many um uh Oscars and uh yeah, she she was robbed, but um yeah, no, it's uh, uh, at this point, um, so yeah, so she 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 adapted uh, Utopia for TV, and um, I don't know, I I I I I thought it was fantastic. I also thought that uh, but but I love Julian Flynn, and I, I thought that this is, I think, the first time that she's adapted someone else's work because she worked on Sharp Objects, and I believe that she worked on the script for Um Gone Girl as well. But uh, I am. Um, I really, really, and Dark Places is another one of hers. But I, I think that, um, yeah, this is one of the first times that she's adapted somebody else's work. And uh, I thought Utopia was great, really, really good.
0: Um, I'm I'm looking this up right now because I got the impression watching the credits that uh, a lot of the production and writing and... Uh, direction was uh from females mm-hmm. it seemed like a very a very female heavy cast or female heavy uh crew so let's see full cast and crew directed by it, it appears that two out of four of the directors were female mm-hmm. series writing credits Oh, only jillian flynn was the the only, only female writer on there. all right I may have gotten an inflated perception of that
1: yeah it was originally supposed to be on HBO and she'd um, worked on it with uh, with with David Fincher um but um there was some sort of uh, dispute and so then um, Amazon um, ordered it yeah um, and uh, what's so interesting about this because it is so timely is a you know the original stop the original show is from 2013. And then they filmed it um, in twenty eighteen and. Which, you know, it's just there's a certain amount of just like perfect timing with with the whole plot, you know, like it it (laughs) feels weird.
0: Although I I worry that it may it may affect people's willingness to take uh, to get a vaccine when the vaccine (laughs) does come out.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. But it's just it's just interesting how there have been a number of things like The Handmaid's Tale was the same way yeah. where oh, you know, sure. it had been in production for uh, far before the the, the twenty sixteen election,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then like became that much more uh, like it was clear like oh this is really prescient and this is really timely. It's yeah. I don't know I like when that happens. But yeah, yeah, Utopia is fantastic. I, it's one of the um i I've been really hit or miss on Amazon's uh, shows but this was a really good one and and um i didn't know until i was just looking this up while we were talking that it had been set up at hbo and that makes total sense because you know she had sharper objects there but uh i but also this seems to me like this would be an hbo project you know yeah and the fact that that they were able to get it for for amazon um good on Amazon
0: Amazon also did modern love which yeah was an excellent uh, I loved modern love bunch of bottle episodes where
1: yeah anthology I think is what they'd call that
0: yeah it was very uh especially episode three I don't know if we already talked about this but we haven't episode three uh starred what's her name uh Anne Hathaway yep as a bipolar woman uh kind of dealing with I guess you would say uh, dating and bipolar. It was kind of well. It was the evolution of her whole life around coming to accept and and getting treatment for bipolar. It was very touching to me as a a bipolar person. But they were yeah. all good, all of them. No, they
1: were they were all really good. I, I and that's uh, and that was one that I was actually really surprised about how good it was because when I first read that they were adapting the column into kind of an anthology right. series, I thought, I thought, I was like, all right, well, that's interesting, but how are you going to do that? Right. And my fear was that it was going to be schmaltzy. My fear was that it was going to be either schmaltzy or really on the nose. And that wasn't the case. No. And uh, it, it really did, I think, capture the best parts of that column, yeah. which for, for, for anyone who is listening, who's not familiar, Modern Love is a column in uh, the New York Times where uh, people send in letters and uh, they attach their real names maybe they use pseudonyms or maybe they're allowed but I don't think that I actually don't think you're allowed to do that where they share very real and kind of raw uh, sometimes uplifting sometimes not kind of perspectives on love and relationships and it's it's a it's a great column um but I didn't know how they were going to adapt that and uh, I thought that they it was a really good adaptation
0: uh, so last last episode we talked about Shirley Stone yeah. And you mentioned that I should watch Old Guard. So I did. Yes,
1: And your thoughts?
0: Oh, my God. I I think that's like a Netflix original, right?
1: It sure is. And
0: for, for a Netflix movie, which I shouldn't. They've done some really good work. But uh, for a Netflix movie, I thought it was outstanding. Like they created this idea of an immortal army. But with like all this gray area and heart and uh it it was spectacular i i really enjoyed it
1: yeah no i thought it was i thought it was amazing and i don't know if this was the case where i don't know when netflix got involved because netflix has you know like purchased kind of like like they they uh, um um uh the the guy who directed um um parasite uh, they they distributed his first film and obviously like martin scorsese's last film they distributed, but I believe that they were more heavily involved in this one. And yeah, you're right. Like it's just it's so good.
0: So, um, yeah, if you're looking for an action movie and you like Charlize Theron as a as an action hero, it I highly recommend it.
1: Yeah, it's based on a comic book which I've never read, um, but but people say that it's a really good adaptation. And yeah, I but it just continues to kind of further and cement her as she has turned into. I think the leading female action star at this point. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think, I, I honestly, like, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I'm trying to think like, I don't, I think a, it's kind of sad because we don't have a whole lot of them, but she's not of the Marvel universe. Uh, Thank God. Um, And I say, thank God because she's better than that. And, and I will stand yeah, by that.
0: For sure. She, she's, for sure. She,
1: she's, she's better than that. And, and like Scarlett Johansson's a great actress and whatnot, but like, Charlize Theron is on another level, and yeah. so I'm happy to see her in things like Mad Max. And, right,
0: Furiosa and, was just yeah. like for me, it was a turning point in my opinion of her as action hero. Was uh, as Furiosa in Mad Max Fury Road, mm-hmm. she was. Th- I mean, that movie amazed me. That was like same the most. It's like doing speed the entire movie. It like never stops it's like the chase scene from a good action film but for 2 hours. It was that was amazing and she was an amazing lead character for that.
1: Yeah, she was amazing in that. She was great in Atomic Blonde, which I really liked too. Yeah. And um yeah, um and 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 then Old Guard, you know, like but she's she's been doing action stuff f- for the better part of of, you know, since I guess I guess going back as far as the Italian job, which which uh, we talked about before, yeah. which I like, but she's really um, and it's an interesting evolution because, um, she's you know she's in her forties now and she has kind of become that I guess kind of Sigourney Weaver, you know, Linda Hamilton type of role, except and I say this with no disrespect to either Linda Hamilton or Sigourney Weaver, but she's both a better actress and significantly. <laughs> like she's she's actually like one of the most beautiful women in the world yeah and it's and so those three things the fact that she's got like the action a- aspect she's such a great actress and um you know i'm I'm sorry but it is just it is does make things different uh, maybe not better but definitely different she is just this ridiculously attractive person statuesque, who, right like like she you know is one of the most beautiful women in the world that when they aren't you know, doing hours and hours of makeup on her to make her look ugly like in Monster. Right. Um, You know, like it, it's this, this thing that it's like what, I, like Angelina Jolie could have gone this way. She decided to focus on other things. But I think that Charlize Theron has fulfilled the promise of what Angelina Jolie was doing in the earlier part of her career in the 2000s. And then, you know, she shifted and went into other things, Um, although obviously Angelina Julie was younger when she was doing that. But I think that's sort of interesting that she's kind of fulfilled that that role. Um, All right. You were going to tell me about the unicorn while we have a couple of minutes.
0: Actually, I'd rather talk about Ted Lasso.
1: Okay, Ted Lasso. Tell me about that.
0: You haven't watched Ted Lasso. And now I I feel bad because we're podcasting when you could be watching Ted Lasso. (laughs) It's so good. It is the, it's a charming. uh, Oh, I'm looking this up. I've,
1: I've been meaning to watch this. Okay. Tell me about this because this is, this is Bill Lawrence.
0: Yeah. Jason Sudakis gets uh, a job. He's an American football coach who gets hired to be a a soccer, a a British football coach. Um, And it, it turns out he was hired under the pretense like there was a divorce and the woman wanted, to drive her team into the ground, so she thought the way to do that would be to hire an American football coach and just make a laughing stock of the team. But it's kind of you know the you would expect the uh, there to be a surprise, uh, a surprisingly good result from that uh, would make a good TV show, and it does. Um, I. I I don't know what I need to tell you to get you to watch it, but I no, guarantee you, you get two no, episodes and you'll be hooked.
1: No, 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 no. All you, all you need to do, all I needed to, to realize was that it was created by Bill Lawrence, who <laughs> is my favorite comedy television person. So he created scrubs and um, he also did uh clone high and um, he was, he did spin city and uh, he's just cougar town. Like he's just one of my favorites. So Now that I know that this is the Bill Lawrence thing, um, which I was not aware of, uh, and I I remember reading about this and then there's just so much TV, I just forget. So this is on Apple TV plus I will watch this. I will watch this, uh, probably this weekend and, uh, I, I will do my best to watch this before we do our next recording. So,
0: okay, deal, um, and we don't, it, it won't be an in depth conversation. I just, I just need to, I, I, I need you to have seen it for me to feel, uh, to feel whole.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, now I'm actually really excited to watch this because, but, um, I love Bill Lawrence so much. So
0: the other, the other touching show, you're right, was The Unicorn, which I just kind of, I was looking, I was looking for, uh, we, we like to have half hour shows, uh, to just kind of watch, uh, when we, We want to stay up for another half an hour, but we don't have like the the fortitude to stay up for a full hour show. So it's nice to have some half hour shows in in our pocket. Um, And so we gave the unicorn a shot and it stars. I can't remember the actor's name. He was in Eastbound and Down, um, but not the main character. Anyway, uh, uh, it it does star... um, Rob Cordry, who I'm a, a big fan of.
1: I'm a big fan of, and you're friends with Rob.
0: Uh, yeah, you could say that. He 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 responds to my texts, so I'll call him a friend. Um, I mean,
1: you've had him on your podcast. Like, yeah. <laughs> you have his phone number. Like, you're like you you can say it. Like like you're not like maybe like close friends. You're not like you know it's not like you and I friends. But yeah, you have like a friend of yours. You you, yeah. you can say that.
0: And and I have seen him in some really shitty stuff lately. Uh, I watched uh, Operation Endgame. And he played like a drunk assassin and it was, it was good for what it was, but it was not, uh, was not a role that really showcased his abilities. And the unicorn is, I love him in the unicorn. Um, okay.
1: I'll watch that. Cause I love, um, I, I, I loved, um, oh, and I see, I see, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at some of the other actors. Um, this looks good, but we've talked about this in like probably OG episodes of the show, but. Uh, animal, uh, or children's uh, hospital is one of my favorite uh,
0: <laughs> TV
1: shows ever. Wait.
0: Children's hospital is a perfect showcase of Rob, Rob's sense of humor. Like he, he wrote that show. So you can really get a feel for what he finds funny. Uh, he did not write as far as I know on the unicorn. Uh, so it's someone else's humor, but his acting and he pulls it off really well. Um, and
1: it's a network show, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, you usually don't recommend network shows. Is is the first season on Netflix or do you yes, have to buy it? Yes, N- Netflix. Okay.
0: Um, okay. Uh, so, any uh, quick synopsis. It is about a guy whose wife died a year ago, and he uh, is just now... In the first episode, they finally run out of frozen meals left over from the wake. And... Uh, And he decides it's time to move on and start dating again. And he is informed by his friends that he is a unicorn, uh, uh, a mature man with uh, whose wife has died and therefore he's not he's 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 good for commitment. He is well, he's experienced and mature and uh, also single. And that combination makes him very popular on like dating apps, but he has a lot of Bad luck with dating apps. So it's kind of it's his romantic life. And I'm about five episodes in on it. But I love this show. I really do. It's not even a a premise that I would normally assume I would be into. Oh, well, it works.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I'm um, yeah. If you're saying you're into this because this doesn't seem like this doesn't seem like a show that you'd be into. And the, the setup is a uh, very pure, like Thursday night CBS comedy. Like yeah. this is very much like, like I'm actually surprised that, that Chuck Lorre didn't do this. Although I'm happy Chuck Lorre didn't do this because if Chuck Lorre did this, I'd be like, all right, I, I will begrudgingly watch this and probably <laughs> laugh at times, but I'm going to hate myself because it's Chuck Lorre. Uh, Cause that's how I feel about all of his shows. But the fact that he's not part of it um, is um, uh, like makes me feel better. But also the synopsis and kind of what you're talking about totally makes me feel like I was like, yeah, this is a CBS show. So uh, I will I will check this out for sure, because I laugh um, out
0: loud at every episode. It's really good writing.
1: All right. Well, I will check it out. It's also been renewed for a second season, which I don't know if that uh, when that will be taking place because (laughs) of, you know, everything shut down. Yeah, but that's a uh, uh, or I mean, hopefully they will still get a second season. Um, I don't know if you saw this or not. This is very upsetting. Uh, Glow was it was given a fourth season. They actually shot a couple of episodes and Netflix has come back and has canceled Glow. And right, because they got the
0: their three season. Netflix seasons and then they're done.
1: But like they'd already gone into production on the fourth. Like that's the thing that really galls me is like they'd already like. So they broke broken the episodes, I'm sure, you know, they'd uh, like and look, I get it. You don't want to have maybe people under contract for 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 however long or whatever. But also, that's a really shit move from Netflix, I have yeah. to say, like, so I'm very upset that Glow has ended because I thought Glow was one of the best shows. It really was. Um, and um and so uh, I doubt CBS will do that. But you never know, like these things are weird. So by at least as of right now, it's been renewed for a second season. So.
0: I that's good. Bree. Brie. Um, oh, I know post, post community. I mean, she was great in community. I loved her character. But yeah, her uh, her kind of uh, she has this a kind of I would uh, would you agree? It's a bit of an Anne Hathaway personality. Totally. Kind of uh, high maintenance, One, neurotic,
1: 100 percent. Like she's OK. I'm sorry. And this is not in any way denigration, but she always came across as like TV and Hathaway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like she's someone I'm not sure I would get along with as a as a a, a, a beer drinking friend. See, I, but I think bet he she's would. a lot of fun after a couple beers.
1: No, here's the thing. I think that's just the character she plays because she's married to um um uh uh what's his face um James um fuck you know who I'm talking about yeah, uh, James Franco Funk. oh Franco. Uh, no no yeah James Franco she's she's married to James Franco's younger brother Dave.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: And they've been together for a really long time, and I think they. She said that they got together like when they were both stoned or something. <laughs> so I actually think that she is totally. So did she get typecast? Cool. Yeah, I think so. Huh. I think that because of Annie, and I think she also was, you know, Trudy on uh, Mad Men. So I, I, I have a feeling we we don't actually know her personality. I look forward to.
0: I look forward to her getting more full fledged roles then.
1: Me and I think she will because Glow was so good and Ruth was such a interesting character and uh, that whole show was just really really good. Mark Maron was great in it, um, but yeah, um, I'm <laughs> Mark really Maron, sad. That
0: Mark Maron, Mark on the other hand, actually is <laughs> that character.
1: Oh, Mark Maron is that character. Uh, <laughs> I I interviewed him once and it was one of the most. Okay, so. One of the worst interviews I've ever had was with David Cross, who just could not give a shit. And it's and and that's fine. I understand he was just—somebody told me I had to do the phone call. He didn't care. I was trying to kind of—and I'm such a big fan that I was—I was trying to, like, maybe find a common ground. It it didn't work. And that's as much on me, you know, as, as on him. And I actually don't hold it against him. It's just one of those things. Mark uh, Marin was an interesting one because the show that he uh, was on on IFC was coming out, and they were promoting it with some of his actual tweets— And I had an interview with him and it was, he was sort of distracted and it was, it was going really poorly about the first half. And he was like, he was like, I'm sorry, can you just give me a second? I'm dealing with some bullshit. And, and so I, I, I was like, all right, well, the interview's going really poorly. And I'm about 15 seconds from him hanging up on me and me having almost nothing to work with. So I have nothing to lose. I'm like, do you want to talk about it? (laughs) <laughs> and then he just kind of unloads and he's talking about all this like genuinely stupid Twitter drama where people were mad that he appeared on the Howard Stern show because he's been he had been at that point like a long time um frequent guest on on Opie and Anthony. And uh he, you know, was obviously super excited to be on the Stern show, but was now like literally like Twitter randos, like eggs, like people who do not matter we like calling him a traitor and he was like actually really impacted by this, which was perfect for the whole story I was writing. So um, I kind of let him unload, let him kind of was his therapist. And then we had a great conversation, but he is completely that character and his podcast. Obviously, you, you know, his personality, but um, that I believe was one of the first times that the word bullshit without being in any way censored was published in Mashable because... I quoted it directly and I, it was like in the first sentence or two of my article, uh-huh. uh, which uh, which the network incidentally loved. They they thought it was funny. But yeah, that's my only Mark Marin story, which is it was <laughs> probably one of the only times I've ever had. Like, I mean, that interview was so I, I was so close to being hung up on. I was so close to having him hang up on me and having nothing. And I had, like, nothing to lose. And I was like, want to talk about it? And then, yes, exactly (laughs) as you said, he is that character 100%. But I also did love that, like, he was... And this is the most human thing about him because I think all of us can relate to this. But he was, like, really actively, like, upset about dealing with, like, some Twitter bullshit with some, like, randos, like, calling him, like, a sellout or a traitor because he wanted to appear on the most iconic radio show of all time, which especially for someone of his age, like it was just one of those things where, uh, I, it endeared me to him very much. I was like, you sir are all right. You are very much you and uh, will not put on a front. Um, so, but yeah. anyway,
0: um, the, uh, we should save a full on discussion about this for the next episode. Yes. But I do want to let everyone know, cause this is important that uh carabiner elements came out with an update yesterday that officially supports big sur and silicone so nice. that that was like a uh i i i would not upgrade my primary machine to big sur until that happened so that's one less barrier like i'll I'll run big sur on a partition for testing but it I'm not terribly excited about putting it on my primary machine, but that makes a big difference right there.
1: That's awesome. And this is a keyword customizer. Um, I actually, because I'm not running Catalina, I am not running it. So I actually am excited. Actually, no, I'm running Catalina on one of my machines, so I need to to install it. But yeah, we'll talk about this in depth um, on our next show, which we will be recording in a few days. So... (laughs) um, that that excites me that that is now available because I also on our next show and then we, we've got to go because I have another meeting. Um, I, uh, I want to talk about um, Apple Silicon in general. I want to get an update from you from what you can say on your experiences developing on it and uh, and, and whatnot.
0: We'll see if I. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll make some confessions at the time we do that then.
1: OK. All
0: right. Well, uh, have fun at your next meeting. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you continue to feel uh, better.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah. um, Honestly, this conversation has lifted my energy quite substantially. So,
0: (laughs) Nothing like a little bit of rage and then some TV talk to get one going in the morning.
1: Honestly, this is true.
0: All right. Get some sleep, Christina. Get some sleep, Brett. The system is going down low.